Hello and welcome to Not Another Business Podcast, where we break down business news and cultural events according to rules we've entirely made up. I'm KJ Miller, ex-corporate consultant and current CEO and co-founder of Minted Cosmetics. And I'm Daniela Dector-McCarthy, ex-corporate lawyer and current general counsel at Ness. And fun fact, KJ and I have been friends since our Harvard acapella days because we are that cool, folks. A disclaimer before we start the show, the views we express today are our own and not those of our companies. Now, today's show is a surprise to you, KJ. Listeners may recall that months ago, we did an episode called Twerking Moms, where you picked the topic, which was about working moms, and I came in totally unprepared. Well, today I get to return the favor. I have only given you a heads up that today's topic will be related to sports, Mm -hmm. but you don't know anything else. I do not know anything else, and that's wild because I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> so unclear how I am going to prove, um, you know, to be a useful partner in this conversation, but I'm going to do my gosh darn best tell you that. Well, I know for a fact that you have recently played the particular sport we will be talking about. Okay, okay. Well, that narrows it down because I've played exactly one sport in the last... <laughs> in the last roughly three years and that sport is pickleball and i loved it correct that is correct we are talking about pickleball today it has taken the country by storm as evidenced by the fact that you have played a sport yeah in the past three years Now, let me just let me just clarify here um, for our listeners now when i say i played this sport um, there was a cider house that had pickleball courts attached, like within. Oh, so that you is would, brilliant! It was so fun. So you go, you get your drink, you get your little cider, and then you go, quote unquote, play pickleball, which we did in a way that was very fun, but you know, followed almost none of the rules. <laughs> but I still had a fantastic time. Okay, well, so interesting. You you. Quasi played. Yeah, quasi played. Um, I've been playing a lot recently. My family members, certain of them have become obsessed. Mm-hmm. Obsessed. I honestly might be, I might be getting there. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. so um, I want to talk about it. And yeah. and we're going to do that right after our shameless plug. KJ and I have neither the time nor the desire to chase down advertisers. So we like to use this segment to plug our own projects. KJ, what are we plugging today? I am plugging our Patreon. Oh, yeah. Um, For those of you who missed it somehow, we have started a subscription bonus episode service process. The point is you can now subscribe to bonus episodes, which will be dropping once a month. You just go to patreon.com slash N-A-B-P pay your little $5 a month, and then you get bonus episodes. And we just did our first one on the latest Lizzo drama. So if you want to know what you're going to be getting yourself into, we made it available for free to all of you because that's how much we love you. Head over patreon.com slash NABP. And with that, let's get back to the show. All right, it is Flashback Friday. As a reminder, this is the segment where we dive into a previous topic covered on our show and we give a little update. Danny, what are we flashing back to this week? We are flashing back to our episode on Bed Bath Beyond. 
Listeners may recall that we were discussing the company. We went through a very long history lesson <laughs> about the company. Yes. Because after Six, decades. <laughs> 60 years, if I recall correctly, a 60-year history. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it was well worth the history lesson <laughs> because it was quite interesting that after decades of expansion and massive success, Bed Bath & Beyond very sadly lost their mojo over the most recent decade and filed for bankruptcy earlier this year in April. Well, the update here is that the company Overstock, which operates Overstock.com, bought Bed Bath & Beyond's IP for $21.5 million in cash back in June. And as of earlier this week, Overstock announced that it will be rebranding its site, Overstock.com, to be BedBathAndBeyond.com. That means users who go to Overstock.com will be redirected to BedBathAndBeyond.com. And users who go to BedBathAndBeyond.com will be seeing Overstock product and what was previously the Overstock site. The CEO of Overstock, Jonathan Johnson, said that they made this move because people incorrectly think of Overstock as a liquidator due to its name. Specifically, he said, Overstock has a great business model with a name that does not reflect its focus on home. Bed Bath & Beyond is a much-loved and well-known consumer brand, which has an outdated business model that needed modernizing. Some specifics about what Overstock acquired. The acquisition of the IP included Bed Bath & Beyond's site, mobile app, and name. They did not purchase any of the leases or physical retail stores. On that front, CEO Johnson said... We think it's an outdated business model. We think it's a big expense and one that ends up being passed along to customers in the form of higher prices. So it's just not needed. Bed Bath & Beyond's loyalty programs will be reinstated. The big blue coupon will not. What are your thoughts? Oh, man. I got to tell you, this feels very smart. This feels (laughs) extremely smart. And these guys got this IP for a song. I mean, for like $20 million for a company that's been in business for 60 years and has done billions in revenue. And you throw down a cool 20 million and get to take the name that everyone knows and still loves. It still has such strong consumer sentiment. This is like, I mean, it's like corporate playbook. Like, this is what you wait for. This is what you hope for if you're in the scenario that that the CEO described, which was, look, our business model has evolved past what we started as. We did start as overstock and mostly liquidation. We've evolved past that. People don't know that because our name kind of sucks. Now this new name that people already love becomes available for basically free and so we, it's just like best case scenario. I mean, it's not every day you see business moves, at least for me, that feel like just like Mwah, chef's kiss. But this, <laughs> to me, super smart, super, super smart. I mean, do you think most consumers won't realize that it is like a different company behind the name? Do you think they're all going to think this is the same thing and they'll go to Bed Bath & Beyond, bedbathandbeyond.com for what they used to go to bedbathandbeyond.com for? I think that consumers, they might realize it, but the thing is, because I, I, I'm on the site now, it looks like Bed Bath & Beyond, right? Yeah. Like it looks like what you know and love. Even if they they knew coming in or didn't know coming in, I don't know, it just sort of looks like what you know and remember. And I think they're getting so much free press off of the fact that they executed this deal because every business site is talking about it, right? So they're not having to do a press release like, 
just Wall Street's interested. You know, Business Insider is interested, so they're going to report on it. Um, and now you thought Bed Bath and Beyond was dead, and now now I know it's not. And so, not only that, I'm sure these Overstock has been really good at the SEO game for a really long time. I feel like mm. anytime I search for anything home related, they come up for me. So they've still got that that skill set. So. Yeah, I I don't know if everyone's going to understand that this was like a corporate sort of like buyout kind of thing, but I don't know that if it's going to matter if they do or if they don't. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. Also, I did read an article that said they had a significant number of overlap in suppliers anyway, so actually some of the product will be the same. I think where the big difference is that you're not necessarily going to be able to buy like a single spatula. You know, like mm-hmm. you could, like you could when Bed Bath and Beyond was, you know, the category killer. But, but you know, the bigger items, they'll be there. Yeah, yeah. So well, good on Overstock. Smart. Yeah, good on Overstock. Well done. Okay, should we do another flashback to our NABP After Dark episode, the Lizzo episode? I think we have to because a couple new things have come to light literally in the last like fifteen hours since we recorded that. <laughs> <laughs> that episode. Um, so do you want to give us the update or do you want me to give you the update? I'll give the brief update. As we discussed yesterday, there was a lawsuit filed by three former employees of Lizzo against her, her dance captain, and a production company. At the time that we recorded our NABP After Dark episode, Lizzo had not said anything. Well, she released a statement on Instagram and social media today. And in addition... A video of Ariana Davis, one of the plaintiffs, has come out. This video was taken after the alleged incidents um, that are that are cited in the lawsuit. And the video contains Ariana Davis auditioning for season two of Lizzo's reality show and basically singing Lizzo's praises. So what did you think of the statement that Lizzo put out? And what did you think of this video surfacing? Oh, man. Well... I have some mixed feelings about the statement. I do just want to read a little bit of it. Um, it's it. four, four pages, so I'm not going to read all of it. <clears throat> but one paragraph in particular, she says, I'm not here to be looked at as a victim, but I also know that I am not the villain that people in the media have portrayed me to be these last few days. I am very open with my sexuality and expressing myself, but I cannot accept or allow people to use that openness to make me out to be something I am not. There is nothing I take more seriously than the respect we deserve as women in the world. I know what it feels like to be body shamed on a daily basis and would absolutely never criticize or terminate an employee because of their weight. Um, Okay, so I feel like that snippet of the statement kind of sums up her position broadly, at least my takeaway of her position with the statement, which mostly was to um, say these statements are false and they are not true and I am being maligned unfairly and I would never fat shame, I would never do the things that these people are accusing me me of doing, right? So fairly high level, but the takeaway being like, one, y'all are lying, and two, like I'm not this person and I don't deserve to be lied on, basically. And I think a lot of people have taken issue with her statement because a lot Mm. of people feel like, she has not addressed anything in real specifics other than the fat shaming piece. Like she's, she did not name any of the sexual harassment claims. She did not name anything about the false imprisonment claims, the religious harassment claims. Like, you know, as we talked about in our episode, a lot, a lot of claims were made. Mm-hmm. She didn't talk about any of those. She only spoke about this um, fat shaming one, which, you know, 
you might argue uh, of them all from a legal perspective is is probably the one that holds the least weight um uh, no pun intended so i <laughs> i i i i understand why people feel like this statement is not good enough because she's not addressing things specifically enough that said you know my my takeaway from the episode was i didn't think we were in a place to cancel lizzo yet like i think we didn't know enough and i think she could still you know, redeem herself. But I did say part of that redemption would be holding herself accountable for the things that she did do wrong. And she, at least in my opinion, in this statement has not done that. Now, I don't know exactly what she needs to hold herself accountable for, but it seems unlikely, likely to me, it seems unlikely to me that you have nothing to hold yourself accountable for. Like, it seems like unlikely to me that not only have these three dancers come forward, but the tour director came forward and then other former dancers came forward and said, like, you have created this toxic work environment. It seems unlikely that there's no, nothing to see here, right? It might not be as sensationalized as it's described in this lawsuit, but basically the statement makes it sound like you're saying, Nothing to see here, folks. And that seems, it just seems a little unlikely. And and so I don't know, but it is an Instagram statement. I'm assuming more, <laughs> there's more to come. But I do wish, I wish there had been a little bit of a, of accountability. And I just saw a, a, um, on Google, when I Googled the statement that she's lost 120,000 followers since releasing the statement. Wow. So, I mean, I think people, and like not since the allegations, since releasing the statement. So I do think people were kind of waiting for her to say something and don't like what she had to say. That is so interesting. I don't know if people are just more critical than I am. I th- and I think maybe because also I wanted a reason to like be okay with all of it and her saying like yeah this just isn't true and and I'm you know that's not who I am I am this other person I'm like yeah you you are this other person and this isn't who you are you know yeah, yeah. um but I see your point and what everyone else is raising that like it just doesn't seem it doesn't seem likely that it's not like she said these events didn't happen per se you know right. she kind of yeah. like totally avoided particularly the allegations that were fairly specific mm-hmm. um that said i do think like the combination of this statement and releasing this video which her and then there are statements by like her defense attorney like they're clearly setting themselves up to defend right whether right. that's in court or to engage in like take a serious posture in a settlement she's not just hiding she's going to say something and by the way they're going to go on the offensive Mm -hmm. and like tear you down plaintiffs so Mm -hmm. like do you really want to take this all the way to court you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. like we're not just going to protect lizzo's integrity we're going to question your integrity and that is a smart legal move i will just say yeah 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 well and and i agree and by the way i didn't dislike the statement i just felt like it was missing an element i think it's fine to say like look what's how things are being described is not factually true she used the word sensationalized I could believe that like Mm -hmm. but I think there's a way to say I haven't always held myself to the professional standard that I know that I know that I should I also know that what's been described in this lawsuit and sent to the media is extremely sensationalized and not how I would ever treat 
you know, my team, my crew, my dancers, right? Like, I think there's a way to sort of walk that line. And I feel like she didn't, she didn't try to hold herself accountable at all. And that to me, I don't love. But as far as the statement itself went, I, I didn't think it was a bad statement. I do think like, you're allowed to defend yourself. And I think like, it is a bad fact for these plaintiffs that homegirl said she was, you know, so abused and misaligned and harassed. And then, auditioned for season two and not only audition but I mean she she looked incredibly jolly in that audition video she looked <laughs> like I I love Lizzo she even said Lizzo's the queen yeah. I love Lizzo this has been such an amazing experience like oh, so amazing I want to come back right like right. that's a bad fact that's a bad fact so which by the way is my new favorite phrase ever since you said it last night in the episode I'm like oh that's a bad fact <laughs> oh is that right I didn't yeah. even realize I said that. Okay. okay you did I gotta now, make it my new tagline yeah I love that I love that <laughs> oh that's a bad fact that's a- <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this is not, it's not looking good for them. So it seems to me like Lizzo, you know, she did not come to play. Okay. If she's like, if this is what we're going to do, it's what we're going to do. And I can respect that, you know, wanting to defend yourself. Well, I'm sure there's going to be so much more that comes out over the next days, weeks. So we will keep everyone updated. Okay, it's time for our main topic. We are talking about pickleball. You have played it just a mere two weeks ago. Did you come away from that experience as infused with cider as you were, feeling like you understood the game, or would you say not so much? No, no, no. I definitely understand the game. The The thing with the having the cider and everything meant that we just didn't play by all the rules, but we did know mostly what they were. Now I will say there are some confusing parts. Like right. there's some stuff about the like um if what side of the court you you <laughs> serve on or can't serve and if it's if it, like there's some stuff about the side of the court and and what's in play at various times that I'll just be honest, I didn't even try to understand. I was like, okay, I'm okay. going to stand here, okay? Right. And I'm this is where I'll be, okay? Right. Um, Would you like to describe pickleball for our listeners, what you gathered from the game for people who don't understand? Or I can take it. Okay, you you go ahead. You go ahead. Explain the game. (laughs) I got it. Okay. (laughs) Regular pickleball expert. Essentially, pickleball is tennis if you took the ball and made it like with a bunch of holes in it. So it's a A lighter ball. ball. A A wiffle ball. ball. Yes. Exactly. And if you made the court smaller... So you're not having to run as far all over the place. Right. And you made your rackets into little paddles, almost like ping pong paddles. So these things all contribute to making it less difficult to play than tennis, which therefore makes it easier to like pick up. Um, That's how I would describe pickleball. That's exactly right. The ball being a wiffle ball and the racket really being a paddle means that the the game moves a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. The net is also a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are rules that help to extend rallies. Specifically, both the serve and the initial return have to bounce. Right. Um, you cannot like have a serve and volley, which I think is what the what the term is called in tennis. That's like a very common play. You cannot have that in pickleball. Both both the serve and the return need to bounce, which makes it easier then to hit a third point back in, mm-hmm. which extends rallies generally. 
an, there's an area of the court called the kitchen. Right. Okay. And this is an area that is close to the net. Um, and you are not allowed to step into the kitchen unless the ball bounces in it first. Mm-hmm. And this also means that it's a little bit harder to come in and spike the ball really quickly. Right. And so what you'll end up seeing when if you watch pickleball players who have done this a while is people will come up to just uh, just behind the kitchen line mm-hmm. and will what's called dink the ball to one another. Okay. They will just lightly tap it over the net to get it to bounce in the kitchen on the other side and they'll just dink it back and forth, dink, 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 until someone messes up and it gives you an opportunity to spike the shit out of the out of the pickleball. Okay. <laughs> but before that's happening, it looks like a kind of like gentle little dance. All right. <laughs> So this is pickleball. That's the game. Now, mm-hmm. to give you a little bit of history history on it, the game started in 1965 at the summer home of businessman and politician Joel Pritchard oh my on God. Brainbridge Island near Seattle. Yes. Yes. This yes, yes. is the whitest history of a sport. It is true. It is true. <laughs> it is true. Pritchard and his friends were looking for a way to occupy their children while on vacation. They came up with a small scale version of tennis that employed wooden paddles, a plastic wiffle ball, and a net that ends up around hip height. Pritchard's wife, Joan, called it pickleball because of the amalgam of discarded sports equipment that reminded her of a pickle boat in crew. And this is a quote from front, front Office Sports, where oarsmen, this got even whiter, where oarsmen were chosen from the leftovers of the other boats. They later established a company, Pickleball Inc., to manufacture the specially made items. This sport ended up developing like a little bit of a cult following in the Pacific Northwest and largely remained there until the pandemic. Now, why are we talking about pickleball on this podcast? Yes. We are deep into it and you might be wondering why. Yeah. And the reason is because pickleball is and has been for the past three years now the fastest growing sport in America, according to the Sports and Fitness Industry Association. They publish an annual report that looks at participation in various sports. And between 2019 and 2022, the sport grew by 158%, which is very fast. How many people, KJ, it's question time. How many people do you think currently participate in pickleball? Um, okay. All right. Now let me put my consulting math skills to use mm-hmm. and then very quickly just show how little I know about any of this. I mean, I'm going to guess that like. I should say in the U.S. I'm going to qualify that yeah, in the United yeah. States. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say of the roughly I'm rounding down 300 million Americans let's say half of them are adults now I'm at 150 let's say 20 percent of adults actively play sports so now I'm at 30 million and this sport is still pretty niche so I don't think more than 10 percent would play it even that feels high at 3 million so I'm gonna cut that in half and say one and a half million Okay, so to be fair, this is participants, which includes some children above the age of six. Oh, I did forget about I did forget about the fact that this all started for kids. Okay, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right. So then maybe I'll take it back up to three, somewhere between three and five. So the 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 report that I just cited as of 2022, there were 8.9 million players in the United States over the age of six years old participating in pickleball. 
And that is an increase from the prior year where only 4.8 million people over the age of six were playing pickleball. So really freaking fast. Now let's put that in context. What do you think is the most played sport in the U.S.? Um, Basketball? That is correct. Look at you knowing a sports fact. (laughs) And how many participants do you think are in basketball? Oh. 2022. Um, Again, includes includes kids above the age of six. Yeah, so I'd maybe triple that that 8 million figure, so call it 24-ish million. You're very good at this. 28 million. Hey! 28 million. Tennis, 2022, had 23.6 million participants. Okay, okay. So pickleball is sitting just at around under a third of tennis, but is much newer. Right. Okay. Now, you might want to know what's behind the rise of pickleball. Are you curious? I do want to know because I remember before, the only reason that I played pickleball, by the way, was because you had mentioned to me like a week prior, this was, you know, I went to Minneapolis with Kadar. We saw our our good friends and uh, we were there for a few days and I was like, yeah, Danny keeps talking about pickleball. Do y'all want to (laughs) play? And they were like, oh, yeah, we've been hearing about pickleball. We haven't tried it. So that, that's why we did it, because you mentioned it. So, yeah, what is what is driving this uptick? OK, I'll, I'll just say before I get into it, proof point 100,000 infinity and beyond that I'm an influencer. You are. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are an influencer to me. That's right. that's 100,000 percent true. Okay. Well, in general, there has been an increase in individual outdoor sports since the pandemic. That makes sense because nobody wanted to get COVID from one another and we wanted Mm -hmm. to play outside, whatever. Okay. So all kind of sports that were not like huge team sports experienced some kind of increase since the pandemic. Mm -hmm. There's also an element, and this is interesting and counterintuitive because I think when a lot of people think about pickleball, they think about old people. Yes. Like mm-hmm. old people in retirement homes. Mm-hmm. But actually, Gen Z has been behind the rise of pickleball. Mm-hmm. According to Forster, 19% of U.S. Gen Z online adults and 15% of millennials are already playing pickleball, compared to 12% of Gen X and 7% of boomers. So Gen Z is actually like substantially ahead in the pickleball game as compared to older generations and gen z of course is online and is sharing their lives online and so they have enjoyed a bit of a boon from social media sharing Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. but the consensus oh go ahead Mm -hmm. well i i was just gonna say for me to me part of the reason i feel like it's picking up with gen z and just like you know younger people millennials whatever is because it feels like this game has not yet entered the stratosphere of like only serious people can do it right Mm -hmm. which is where I think like tennis sits for instance right like Mm -hmm. I don't think I could just go play tennis with someone because they'd be like you are so bad at this that this is not fun for me and I'd be like you being so serious about it makes it not fun for me right so then nobody has any fun but right now it feels like pickleball is in this nice sweet spot where like it's okay that if you're not that good at it because like 
eh, it's, you know, it's kind of an unserious sport. I mean, I'm, I'm sure for some people it's very serious, but it feels a little like it still exists in this unserious space. Well, so that's what's interesting is because what the, the consensus main factor, factor for the rise of pickleball, and this is from people who are like, whose jobs are to promote this sport, is how accessible it is. Just how great it is for the first time player, right? right? Like, that it is relatively easy to teach and it is relatively easy to pick up, which means that anyone can have fun on their very first day of playing pickleball. Like that's actually part of the pickleball identity, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then they're also kind of just like, yeah, I don't know, more, I'll call them like objective factors, which is like, as you said, the court is smaller, which means that sports complexes facilities can fit more pickleball courts where they previously you know if they could only have two tennis courts they can now have four pickleball courts pickleball is often played with doubles right so now you're just getting more people who are able to play the game at any given time also you can play on a driveway if you needed to right like you just need some paddles and a net so it's just it is not so expensive of a of a sport and as you said it's relatively easy to kind of jump in and not be horrible whereas like with tennis the court is so big like i'm never gonna get that thing over the net like it's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah exactly but with pickleball it's a little bit slower a little bit smaller so you can and i and i think like pickleball as an industry has been like is is very aware of that right Mm -hmm, so like mm -hmm. that's part of what of how people talk about it Mm -hmm. anyway interestingly despite it being you know as you said kind of unserious and i think a lot of people would agree it's not so intimidating the sport has caught the attention of many celebrities and invest and and investors Mm. um in recent years the sport went from having a few kind of fragmented professional leagues to having a more streamlined league um a couple leagues merged now there's the major league pickleball mlp i'm going to name a celebrity and you are going to tell me whether or not they have invested in pickleball as an owner <laughs> or backer of an MLP team. Okay? Ah, okay. All right. First, tennis player Naomi Osaka. Has she Ooh. backed an MLP team? Oh, that totally seems like something Naomi Osaka would do. Yeah, I think so. You are correct. She <laughs> has backed the Miami Pickleball Club. Okay. Awesome. Love that. Kevin Durant, has he backed a pickleball team? Well, now that's a basketball player, Kevin? Yes. Yes, it's a basketball uh, player. Um, hmm. Sure. Why not? Why not, Kevin Durant? He has. He has backed <laughs> the Brooklyn Aces. Okay. Okay. Another basketball player, Steph Curry. Has he Ooh. backed a pickleball team? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he has. I think he has. Mm, he, I don't know mm. what he's doing. He's not in oh, it. He's not in it. His teammate Draymond Green has, but Steph. he's just not on it. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, okay. He's on it. Eva Longoria, has she backed a pickleball team? <laughs> what an interesting game. Um, Eva Longoria, Eva Longoria. Mm, no. She has. <laughs> <laughs> She has backed the DC pickleball team. We're going. We're we're not stopping. Heidi Klum has she backed a pickleball team? What an interesting set of characters. Um, Heidi Klum. Yeah, okay, sure. Yes, you are correct. And she, <laughs> this is the best team name: the Chicago Slice. 
Just Chicago. brilliant. <laughs> Love that. Chicago Slice. Okay. Okay. And then this is going to be the last person went to our respective alma mater. Jeremy Lin. Has he backed oh. a pickleball team? Hmm. Well, he's a smart man, so I'm going to say yes. He has. He has backed the Bay Area Breakers. Well, okay, so every, everyone and their Everybody. mom is, is, in, is in here. Supermodels, basketball players, tennis players. I love it. That's, Plus, that's exciting. Like, you know, yeah, obviously I didn't name like traditional investors, Mark Cuban, Rob Hershevek. Like they're, you yeah. know, everyone's in here. You've got your tr- some VCs. It's happening. Well, also that makes sense because like the sports, buying a sports team game used to only like when it comes to football, basketball, whatever, that's only open to billionaires. But like, I mean, you know, I know Heidi Klum has money, but she don't got billionaire money. That's right. Eva Longoria don't got billionaire money. So, and they're out here investing in teams. That's exciting. Right. So this is how it all works. The MLP, teams in the MLP right now are being valued at around $10 million. So you're exactly right. You're never going to be able to own an NFL team with like $10 million money, you know? No. And no. a lot of these teams are owned by like 10 different celebrities at once. They just like own a little yeah. stake, you know? Just a little so, bit. So it makes sense, just a little bit. Anyway, but the MLP has gone from eight teams in 2021 to 12 teams in 2022 to now 24 teams in 2023. And they have structured a new league format that pits 12 previously existing teams against one another in two leagues. One is the premier level or two levels, the premier level and then another 12 brand new teams in the challenger level. Both levels are participating in two seasons throughout the year made up of three events. In the first season, the 12 teams in the premier level compete against one another, while the teams in the challenger level will only play against one another. And then but they kind of come together. Mm-hmm. Okay, but here's my question. I guess I'm confused about this whole team concept right. because yes. they're played in singles and doubles. So, right. like, so yeah. the teams are two men and two women taken in a player draft in December 2022. That's what makes up each team. The first 48 drafted players are participating at the premier level, and then the next 48 players are on the challenger level. What happens next year, I don't really know. I don't know how it works, but but presumably, mm. you know, their ranking kind of helps them stay. Kind of like how, you know, how like soccer works in the UK, right? Like mm-hmm, there are levels mm-hmm. and you get knocked down if you don't play mm-hmm. as well, or whatever. So I think that's the kind of the idea behind this. So the MLP is going to host six events this year, offering up to five million in prize money. Hmm. Well, this is just another question I have about sports. Yeah. <laughs> And sports money. So is the money that they're offering, that's coming from ticket sales? Is that how that works? Like that's how if I win the pickleball, um, like who who funds this money? This I prize? think sponsors fund the tournaments and um, then that will make up some of the prize money. I see. Okay. Well, but here's another question I have for you. Yeah. If these teams are only $10 million, could anybody <laughs> could anybody with $10 million start a team, like, for any city? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know right. Miami, like, I live in Wynwood, right? Win- Wynwood, Pennsylvania. If I had $10 million, could I be like, the Wynwood Wipers, you know, just right, start right. my own little I, well, team? Well, I think you have to be recognized by the league, right? So you have to, like, contract with the league to become a, like, league-recognized team. Hmm. So it can't just be anyone. But I mean, if you have the right connections, it seems like they're they're fine with doubling the number of teams from year to year. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Last thing before we get into speculation, mm-hmm. the media side of all this, right? Because that's how the other pro leagues make a ton of their money. Mm-hmm. 
The NFL, for example, actually just this year started a 10-year term with five different streaming networks that was a $100 billion deal. Billion? Billion dollar deal. So the NFL, as of this year, is getting paid $1 billion per year from Amazon to be the exclusive network for Thursday night football. CBS is paying the NFL $2.1 billion per year to be the exclusive network for AFC games. There's a particular conference in the NFL on Sundays, as well as a commitment to partner with the NFL for 78 years (laughs) and securing three Super Bowls, the 2023, 2027, and 2031 Super Bowls. Disney ESPN paid the NFL $2.7 billion per year to air Monday Night Football, to simulcast a doubleheader on the final Saturday of the regular season, to air two Super Bowls on ESPN, one in 2026 and one in 2030, and to allow games to stream on ESPN+. Fox is paying $2.2 billion to air NFC games, which is the other conference, and to air three Super Bowls, 2024, 2028, 2032. And NBC is paying $2 billion per year for Sunday night football and three Super Bowls, 2025, 2029, 2033. So the so, NFL. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so this I'm just trying to wrap my mind around the fact that if I'm a person who wants to watch football, mm-hmm. I need I need to have all of these if i want to like see all the games i need amazon cbs disney fox and nbc like I, like if i want to see all the games yeah you need cable well but like, amazon isn't cable you need right? cable plus you need cable plus amazon yeah you, cable plus amazon Ooh, that's a lot by the way this is like why cable still exists right well uh, yeah i mean it's a good point it's a good point Huh. That just also feels like a lot of commitment. Well, that's a lot of games. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already exhausted. That's a lot of games we're talking about. But okay. All right. And so what was that all in? You said 100 billion? 100 billion. Basically, each network is paying around 2 billion per year for 10 years. Five networks. Okay. 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 Now, pickleball is nowhere near there, obviously. (laughs) Good old humble pickleball. Yeah. <laughs> How much are they making? I have not been able to find any numbers, but I did find that the Association of Pickleball Players, which is has its own tour, did land one of its first deals earlier this year with ESPN to air 20 hours of play on their tour. And okay. then the Professional Pickleball Association, which is different from the Association of Pickleball Players... <laughs> Has agreements with ABC, Fox, ESPN, YouTube, and the Tennis Channel to air about 20 tournaments that it hosts this year. Okay, so we're just getting into airing. But what is what is this other one? The professional These are pickleball. just tours. These are like, yeah, tours, which is different from the league. Uh, just so like this... specific contests that are going to have a, their own, their own like prize money. And actually, I think there's a combination in one of these. I don't remember which one of both professional and amateur play interesting okay Mm -hmm. all right so we're kind of you know it's there it's on tv but Mm -hmm. obviously we are not bringing in anywhere near like nfl money okay all right um okay i will say the last set of facts about pickleball right now is just how much attention it's driving with respect to like spectators to live events right so pickleball court is small one of the largest pickleball kind of stadiums will seat 
2,500 spectators. Let's compare that to tennis. The Arthur Ashe Stadium, which is the largest stadium, it's like the main stadium at the U.S. Open, seats 23,000 individuals. Mm-hmm. And close to 900,000 spectators go to the U.S. Open every year in New York. Now, obviously, this is one of the biggest um, tennis events. By contrast, the largest pickleball tournament um, put on by the PPA had about 35,000 spectators earlier this year. So we're really at the beginning. The very and I think beginning. The very beginning. And I think it's time to formally move into speculation. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you mm-hmm. what you think about this rise. Do you think it will end because people are going to get too into pickleball and then it's not going to be as inviting to the people who don't know how to play? Do you mm-hmm. think it is ever going to reach the heights of the NFL, the MLB, the NBA? We have a lot of leagues in this country. We do <laughs> a have a lot, lot of sports of leagues. That's so, it's so interesting because I feel like the reason it's so popular and growing so fast is because it's so accessible, but the more it grows and the more popular it becomes and the more, the more, you know, the, the interests will want to make it more like professionalized and more expensive right. and more, and more serious, which is going to presumably make people like me feel like, okay, this is no longer for me. Right. But now, mm-hmm. now, now it's serious and I'm deeply unserious about it. Um, so that's interesting. And I was just trying to think like, what what is the trajectory of these other sports? Did they also start as like deeply unserious endeavors that people just did while, you know, holding a beer and, and playing <laughs> or <laughs> were they always serious? So, yeah, I don't I don't know. To me, it sounds like it's on the trajectory to becoming another big league. It does. It doesn't sound like to me that it's going to remain in this like fun you know, unserious space. Like, like, I, like the way I think about, um, what's that? Badminton, which again, I know there are people, I know there are people yeah. who play badminton seriously. Okay. I'm not trying to shade anyone out there who takes it very seriously, but generally speaking, I think most of us think of badminton as being like, you play it at a retirement home, you play it, you know, like it's not, mm-hmm. it's recreational. Um, it doesn't really sound to me like this is moving towards being a purely recreational mm-hmm. sport, like with big, you know, celebrities coming in and investing with them starting to make deals with the ESPNs of the world. Like it just sounds like we're at the beginning of something that is going to be pretty big and become much more serious and then eventually maybe not feel quite as accessible. Um just because people are going to be taking it so seriously, not because the game is going to change, like you could right. still go and do it. But once people are taking something super seriously, I think the non-athletes among us start to feel like, oh, this is not this is not for me. Yeah. I will say I am so perplexed by this game and what has happened with it. Like I intuitively understand how it has become, a, I guess, a po- popular to play amongst like non-serious people because like it is true. The first time I played, I was like, I'm I'm not bad at this. <laughs> and 
you know, I was with family, some of whom had been playing, and they said, they're like, well, that's the beauty of this sport. Like, everyone kind of thinks they're not bad, you know? And everyone's, like, pretty pl- proud of themselves. They're like, yeah. oh, look at me. I'm so athletic. <laughs> when, in fact, like, no, it's just not that hard of a sport. Right. But that is, there is magic to that. And so I understand, like, why it's picked up. Yeah. But why it's gotten the celebrity attention, like, I don't, to me, it's not, like, very obvious that that is what should translate to like oh this is a money-making machine right such that celebrities should buy teams right like the nfl makes a ton of money they're both in ticket sales and clearly in these media deals participation in tackle football is not large Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like if you look at that same report in 2022 there were 5.4 million tackle football participants now granted it's probably because you age out real quick whereas the pickleball you can i mean there are octogenarians playing pickleball right so i guess like if you instead looked at how many people have ever played football like that number is big but the point is you know there is a difference between people who it's or it's not necessarily a direct path towards like who's playing pickleball and into it as an activity to like pass the time and like who's watching making bets you know like engaged in the media side or you know watching the pros right 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 and so i don't know why people have why investors have got like it's not obvious to me why investors have gone in Mm -hmm. i mean i guess if i'm thinking about it relative to other sports teams it's not obvious to me but if i'm thinking about it relative to other businesses it is like i mean Whenever you see something taking off quickly, there are going to be a lot of potential investors around the table looking to get in early because the thing about investing that I think most people understand, but but, but, but maybe not everyone does, is you don't actually have that large of a window mm-hmm. to invest in most things, particularly things that grow to be really big. Your window to get in is actually really limited because if it grows quickly, eventually you get priced out. Most investors get priced out, right? Mm -hmm. Like there aren't that many people who have tons of money. So your window to get in is small. And so you see this with a lot of, you know, a lot of businesses, why NFTs took off the way they did when it never made any goddamn sense, right? (laughs) But like like it was starting to take off. And and once it started to take off and the frenzy began, people were like, oh, like my window, my window, my window, I gotta gotta get in while the getting is good. And so from that perspective, just from purely from a business perspective, it does make sense to me relative to other sports, you know, like why why it's the sport that is taking off and not like uh, what's the one where you're inside squash. Right. right. Like why? Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. But it does make sense to me from a business perspective. Well, so that's OK. I have a theory about squash. It is hard to watch. Yes. Yeah, like you're in a box. You can't. Yeah. And but this is also my concern about pickleball. Even if you – let's put aside that there are some plays that are genuinely boring to watch in pickleball, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like when everyone's dinking, it doesn't look cool. Mm-hmm. It really – it does not look cool. And I hate to say it on this podcast because I have family members who are going to be upset that I've said something negative about it. But it is it is true. When you're just see dink, 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 like I'm not like, oh, my God, you're an, a phenom. You know, you're a physical <laughs> marvel. You right, know? right. So there's an element, I think, to like how how exciting is it when you watch and how easy is it, right? Like the mm-hmm. fact that the pickleball court is small, so you're only going to have so many seats around it, I think is a factor. Just like for squash, you literally 
can only have like two rows of people looking at the game because you're in a closet. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Which I never understood about squash. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm it's kind of exciting because I do feel like in my lifetime, I don't know that I've seen a sport take off. Mm -hmm. And I actually remember watching like a documentary about this. Why did I watch this documentary? Mm. I must have been forced into it. But um, it was a documentary about some guy who had invented a new sport. And I don't, I forget what it was called, but it was essentially like basketball with trampolines. Okay. Have you seen, have you, no. have you seen this? Okay. No. Well, some man invented a sport and it was essentially basketball, but the whole floor was trampolines. And it had kind of started to take off in Asia, but literally nowhere else. But anyway, the whole documentary was about like how difficult it is to make a sport take off. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, this guy spent like lots of time and lots of money and lots of energy and he had investors, but like, you know, it just like never really took off. Um, Or certainly not on, doesn't seem like at the scale that this particular sport is taking off at. So it is just kind of interesting to like feel like in my lifetime, I might see something go from like zero to 100, you know, like that's kind of cool to think about. Well, and so this now makes me think of what's happening in soccer in the US right now, because Lionel Messi, Mm -hmm. who is one of the world's greatest soccer players, he definitely is a little bit past his prime, but he's still very good, has Mm -hmm. recently signed to Inter Miami, a a team in the MLS. Mm -hmm. The MLS like is a league that is exists and is relatively successful. But if you compare it to the NFL, the MLB, like the NBA, its revenue is like minuscule in comparison. The NFL, the MLB, NBA, their their revenue is all around 10 billion, a little bit more. The MLS revenue, 210 million. But Lionel Messi was recently signed to Inter Miami, owned by David Beckham. He turned down a, a contract in the Saudi league, which is known for just throwing a lot of money. Mm-hmm. A lot of money at players. Mm-hmm. As part of Messi's deal to come to Inter Miami, it was actually pretty innovative. He's getting like an annual salary of, I think it's somewhere between 50 and 60 million. But he's also getting a cut of revenue from Apple TV, which has MLS season pass. So mm. like he's getting a, a portion of a rev share with Apple, as well as a rev share with Adidas, which makes all the like uniforms for um, Inter Miami. And I think maybe other teams in the league as well. Hmm. So... This makes me wonder, is is this, is celebrity an element here too? Do we need to just find the next like most amazing pickleball player? And will that like help it take off? Like will Lionel Messi coming to Inter Miami? And it's not the first like world-class soccer player to come to the MLS after the height of their career is done over in Europe. But he, Lionel Messi is still pretty good. Whereas like other really popular players were probably more past their prime when they came to MLS mm-hmm. like will Lionel Messi help bring that league up it is Apple has said that they've hit record n- numbers of subscribers for MLS mm-hmm. and past while they haven't released the numbers so like how much of a record I don't know <laughs> well okay now 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 this made me think of something and this might also make your family members mad who love pickleball <laughs> But, you know, yes, I think maybe the messy contract will help MLS come up. But your question around celebrity Mm -hmm. and like does pickleball just need like a celebrity to like really have it on the come up, right? Here's my question. If pickleball is essentially just an easier version of tennis, Mm -hmm. 
are we going to get the like feats of strength and mm-hmm. and and power and play that would make someone become a celebrity like make us want to give someone the title of goat or no because we're just always going to be like yeah you're good at this sport but it's this is the easier version of that sport <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. like i like does is that going to prevent us from ever having someone who we're really putting up on a pedestal because it's like, yeah, but it's pickleball. You know, like, is that going to be the consensus? Right. I think you have to be excited or to 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 be excited about the future f- pickleball player. You have to believe that it's not just like a weaker version of tennis, but that there's like unique skill required for pickleball. <laughs> to me, yeah. I feel like anyone... I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, right? Like, like I've yeah. only pl- I've only played it once, and I certainly haven't spent any time watching it. So, I just sort of wonder, like, if someone is like a beast at pickleball, and right. I feel like I'm either going to be thinking to myself, "You should go play tennis," <laughs> or I'm going to be thinking to myself, "Yeah, because it's pickleball, right?" Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm going to be in this in between place where I'm like this person right here is the goat you know what I mean the same way like Serena's the goat of tennis and Braun is the goat of basketball and I guess Messi and them he's the he's the goat of soccer am I really gonna be calling someone a goat of pickleball am am I maybe I just don't know this kind of reminds me and I totally disagree with this argument though (laughs) that Tom makes about the various strokes in swimming Mm -hmm. like Tom does not believe that you know in swimming there are four strokes freestyle Right, butterfly, backstroke, breaststroke. Tom does not believe that butterfly, backstroke, or breaststroke should be events. He's like, why, if the whole point of the sport is to be fast, and we know freestyle is the fastest stroke, why do we have events where we force player, like where we force the athletes to do something that slows them down? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's valid. I mean, I get it. I get that point. I feel like there's an analog here. I can't quite (laughs) articulate it, but I feel like there's an analog, which is like we're creating limitations, like a smaller court, a slower ball, you Mm -hmm. know, like you got to let it bounce, right? Just to be able to change the game a little bit. Mm -hmm. And in the end, it's like, isn't that less impressive when we do that? I think that is what the analogous argument would be. But I don't believe it. Now I need to think about why I don't believe it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm I, willing to believe that pickleball is in and of itself, you know, a worthy sport. And maybe there will be a goat. But if we go back to why it was invented, sounds like it was invented to give kids an easier version <laughs> of tennis. <laughs> So ultimately, that is what the sport is. And that makes me wonder if we ever are going to get like a Serena Williams of pickleball. Maybe we will, you know, but Maybe I, we will. I think we will. But, you, but that's a very good point. OK, I want to talk about one last thing. OK. In speculation before we get a final verdict. Mm-hmm. This is like a big, a bigger question about like the businesses we create and consider creating. I feel like this is going to be some therapy. You know, my parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my parents are always trying to get me to start the the next big thing, but they want the next big thing to like be meaningful or particularly smart or like, you know, something that requires some kind of intellect or whatever. Mm-hmm. But 
in prepping this episode, all I could think about is how much money there is in things like sports and mm-hmm. entertainment and the things mm-hmm. that just bring people like joy. Yeah. Are we just suckers trying to think about like the next brilliant whatever AI right. use or or whatever it is? And what we really should be doing is just thinking about like what brings people joy yeah, and making a business around that. Well, you know, I think back to, was it last week when we did, was it last week, the Shark Tank episode? Mm-hmm. And um, and I said that the one app, the one uh, real world app, right? The one where you mm-hmm. like try to, you read the playbooks about how to live life. Right, right, right. And I described it as a nice to have, not a must have. And for that reason, I said, you know, I'm out. I don't, I don't think it's going to work. Here's the thing. There are so many studies that have been done around the importance of play the importance mm-hmm. of recreation, the importance of joy to literally living a long, healthy life. Right. And when you and you think about it from that perspective, is it more of a must-have than a nice to have? And if you and if you think so, then maybe it is just as important as some of those other groundbreaking things, right? Like like people need joy, people need play, people need things that de-stress them. Otherwise, we end up in situations where we are just full of anxiety and or depression at all times. And that is like a recipe to a short and miserable life, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this could just be your intuition telling you that like, actually, this stuff matters. It matters a great deal. And when mm-hmm. we de-emphasize its importance, it's to our detriment. So, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be said for pursuing a business like this. Okay, so final verdict. Are we are we starting a pickleball business or <laughs> let's do it. We only need ten million dollars, girl. We can scrape that together. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for judge and jury. And if you're new here, this is the segment where we dive into recent news and ask whether this was a display of good or bad judgment. Danny, what are we talking about this week? Okay, this week's Judge and Jury is inspired by a TikTok you sent me. And it is a TikTok that covers the Forbes cover with Kylie Jenner. Do you remember that cover? It's back in 2019. You know I remember that ridiculous <laughs> cover. <laughs> yes, Kylie Jenner was on the cover of Forbes in a feature on America's Women Billionaires. A year later in 2020, Forbes officially revoked that title, publishing an article called Inside Kylie Jenner's Web of Lies and Why She's No Longer a Billionaire. The article explained how additional information came out through the sale of Kylie's stake in her cosmetics company, Kylie Cosmetics, how much had been inflated about the company's performance, how much had been downright fabricated, including things like fake tax returns that were provided. Well, a segment of a podcast called Infamous, Inside America's Biggest Scandals, is now circulating through TikTok. The segment features one of the interviews that Kylie and Chris gave to a Forbes reporter in advance of that feature coming out. Mm -hmm. In it, Kylie did not answer a single question that the interviewer posed, and Chris deflected nonstop. So Chris was the one who was verbally responding, but she didn't actually answer any of the questions. Right. Okay. I understand hindsight is twenty twenty, but I want your take on this. Mm-hmm. The judgment of Forbes to ever put her on that cover, it's given that type of interview 
What do you think? I mean, maybe that's a leading question there, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, extremely leading, but I, I'm good with it. I, I said it at the time when that article came out, I said it when the takedown and her web of lies article came out and I will say it again, that article never made sense. It never <laughs> ever made sense. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Reason number one was because the whole article was about being a self-made billionaire. Self-made where? She's a, lit <laughs> a literal Kardashian. Like, what are we talking about? Her whole family was famous before she was like age 10. So no, self-made, that never made sense. Two, and I've done a TikTok about this, the way that we even talk about net worth in this country slash in the world to me is is giving fraud okay because <laughs> the, the 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 truth of the matter is the reason why forbes was not only re able to or willing to call kylie a billionaire same reason they were willing to call kanye a billionaire when not one of them had a billion dollars anywhere was because they were looking at the value the quote-unquote paper value of the companies that they owned and ran all right but these mm companies and their paper value that's mostly made up i mean this is another thing that our listeners may or may not know valuations are largely made up do you understand that when i when i raised my first um round for minted cosmetics um i, I like closed on fifty thousand dollars at a 2.6 million dollar valuation i've never actually shared that figure before but fuck it 2.6 million dollar <laughs> valuation okay i had raised fifty thousand dollars that was made up, okay? And yes, it was built on the idea that eventually like I would build the company to some level, whatever, whatever. But if I had at that moment gone to Forbes and said, I'm a millionaire and Forbes had printed that, I think we would all agree that that would be misleading, right? <laughs> but at that moment, when I raised that money, I owned 50% of the company and the company had just been valued at $2.6 million. So on paper, I was a millionaire. But I think we can all agree that that would be misleading. It doesn't mean anything. I didn't have a million dollars or anything right. near it, right? And so that's that's just my personal gripe with the way we talk about net worth generally. But for Forbes in particular, one of the leading business magazines to be out here calling people billionaires when you know that on paper, the math doesn't math and, and, it, and it doesn't actually signify what it is you are convincing people that it signifies, I think that's irresponsible in and of itself. But then to take it a step further and to find out that you did this interview with Kylie, called her a billionaire, knowing she couldn't answer not one, not <laughs> one question about her business, not one. That is just the 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 definition of like journalistic malpractice, in my opinion. I think that that is so absolutely ridiculous. And I just like, they, I hope somebody at Forbes right now is embarrassed. I truly hope <laughs> somebody over there is embarrassed. And that is my take. What is yours? I don't think I could add anything to that. <laughs> I will just say that this is yet again um, an example of how nothing will ever die with TikTok because you'll never know what will end up circulating <laughs> in a two-minute clip because, you know, the revocation happened two years ago, but now suddenly we get this leaked interview and mm -hmm. Forbes gets to be ashamed all over again. Mm -hmm. The internet is cruel. And forever. And forever. <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. We hope you are loving the show. And if you are, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. 
And be sure to follow us on social. I'm I am underscore KJ Miller on TikTok. And Danny is Danny underscore D underscore MC. Thank you.